Plumsters, it's Melanie. I know it's been a while. I wanted to give you some important plume updates before today's episode. In the fall of 2020, Jennifer and I invited Sam Tatenko to join Team Plume. The three of us were excited to work together, and we'd started making some plans to update Plume. As you know, Jen passed away suddenly in December. Sam and I took some time away to grieve the tremendous loss of our dear friend and business partner. Eventually, we got together virtually and decided we do want to continue with Plume because we believe in this community and we want to honor and continue all of Jen's hard work. Community was at the heart of everything she did, and we would like to grow Plume as part of her legacy. Stay tuned after the episode for more about the future of Plume. Please enjoy this interview with Melanie S. Hatter, Plume's last featured writer from season one. I had so much fun talking with her when we recorded this interview in early December. She's a delight and had many interesting insights to share. Melanie S. Hatter is an award-winning author of two novels and one short story collection. Selected by Edwi Stantika, Malawi Sisters won the inaugural Kimbilio National Fiction Prize, published by Four Way Books in 2019. The Color of My Soul won the 2011 Washington Writers Publishing House Fiction Prize, and Let No One Weep For Me, Stories of Love and Loss was released in 2015. Melanie received a 2019 Maryland State Arts Council grant for her writing. She's a participating author with the Penn Faulkner Writers in Schools program, and she served four years on the board of the Zora Neale Hurston Richard Wright Foundation. So welcome, Melanie. Thank you. This is very cool. I'm excited. (laughs) I know. We got Melanie and Melanie just chatting together. (laughs) I I feel like I'm talking to myself. (laughs) I know. I don't really meet a lot of other Melanies, so I was like, oh, this will be fun. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Great. I guess we'll jump on in here. So I first came across your work through Bad Mouth, which is a reading series here in Albuquerque, and I was really captivated by what you read. I really connected with it. And I was wondering if you could talk more about your process for writing Malawi Sisters. Yeah, so um, yeah, where to begin? It's it's funny because I had these characters, um, Ghana and Kenya, that I had created several years earlier, but I couldn't quite find my way into what their story was. You know, I sort of had a a rough sense of them, but I couldn't quite pinpoint it. And then then I learned about the the shooting death of Renisha McBride. Um, That was a a shooting that happened in Michigan. And that was where a a white man had shot uh, this woman who had come to his door, uh, this black woman who'd come to get help because her car had broken down. So that story just, um, I don't know, just sort of touched me in in a way that I I just kept thinking about it and thinking about it. And my characters, Ghana and, and Kenya sort of the stories kind of merged and they, I could hear them telling me, yeah, this is, this is our story. This is what happened to us. And, and, and it sort of kind of took off from there. Um, I was really super fortunate um, and I can't even believe that it's been five years now, but I um, got accepted to a writing retreat in Bali. Nice. Um, it was a month, it was absolutely glorious. It was a wow. month <laughs> long um, oasis of just amazing experiences with about 30 of us 
uh, mostly women, and we just kind of bonded. But I think what really sort of helped me in writing about this sort of very tragic story, I was in this environment of support and beauty and uh, I was able to, you know, sort of delve into these um, sort of dark places and then step out and, and sort of be in this, this glow of just writing wonderfulness. Um, but it was every day, I was writing every day and being in this community was really enormously encouraging. So yeah, and then I wrote the most, most of it there um, in that month. And then I guess over the, the next couple of years, went back and you know was kind of massaging it and editing it and rewriting and rewriting and all of that good stuff that comes afterwards yeah well that's a really interesting story I didn't know it so you wrote most of it in Bali how fun yeah yeah it was it was it was I mean it's it feels like a dream now yeah. you know because <laughs> it, it you know it was it feels almost like another lifetime and yeah. Yeah, but it was it was pretty amazing, yeah. and it's it's the... um, it's so gratifying because I it, it was one of those trips where I had to I took money out of my retirement account um, to be able to go because you know I learned about it actually through another friend who was going, and you know it was going to cost all this money, and I thought oh I, you know it just seems like this dream opportunity, mm -hmm. so I said you know what caution to the wind. I'm pulling the money out. I'm going to make it happen. And to be able to look back and say, yeah, you know, it really, it, I got a book out of it. I got a published, you know, piece of work out of, out of that whole experience. So yeah, yeah. it was worth it. Yeah. It sounds like it changed your life taking a risk yeah, like that. It sure did. Yes. Yeah. Um, and what was the retreat called? So it was, uh, oh gosh, now, ooh, uh, <laughs> That's okay. I'm trying to think of the guy who organized it. Um, he used to do a uh, a blog called Daily Love, and okay. um, he's like a, a motivation. Gosh, this is terrible. I can't think of his name, but he was a motivational speaker, and he would do this annual um, writing retreat, and he would be writing. And he would, you know, sort of bring a community of, of writers and um, his name will come to me okay. at some point, probably after this is all over. And I could always, yeah, I could always add it to the show notes later. <laughs> it happens. Nobody has any, you know, bandwidth this year. We're all, I can't remember my name. Yeah, I'm, you know, we're all operating on COVID brains. So. I know. Makes it easier. It's Melanie and Melanie today. We don't need to exactly. remember anyone's name. <laughs> So, so then your novel won a fiction prize that was selected by Edwish Bantika. So how exciting was that? That just sounds like, wow, I would be so blown I mean, away. Yeah. I, you know, I, yeah, I studied her in school and, you know, right. she's just phenomenal and having someone of that caliber say your work is worthy of, you know, that was, yeah, absolutely blew me away. I've, I've never had an opportunity to meet her. Mm -hmm. And I hope that, you know, one day that I can, and, and if I ever do, she'll, I'll, she'll probably be really embarrassed. Cause I'll be like on my hands and knees, like, thank <laughs> you. <so much." laughs> 
Uh, Edwish, if you're listening, Melanie would love to meet you and another Melanie would love to have you on her podcast. <laughs> yeah, she's, yeah, she's incredible. Her writing is just- uh, Oh, I so. know. Yeah, absolutely. So I was reading on your website that you grew up in Scotland and I was wondering what that was like and if you find that your experiences there impact or show up in your writing. Yeah, gosh. Um, what was it like? I mean, you know, it was, it was, I guess, challenging in, in many ways because for most of my life there um, and all through my schooling, I was the only sort of brown person. Um, when I was in secondary school, which is sort of the equivalent of like middle school into high school, there was another boy who was Indian. So, you know, it was sort of he and I were the only, like in the entire school, wow. we were the only, you know, people of color. And um, and so, you know, I at the time, you don't, you know, I was young and, and wasn't really sort of conscious of race in the same way that I am now. And race is such a different, I mean, I think it's changed now. When I was there as a, as a young person, you know, race was such a different thing. People weren't really talking about it in the same way. It was still very um, sort of a quiet sort of undercurrent thing that nobody really acknowledged, you know, existed that there were, you know, because there in Scotland where I lived, there there just really wasn't that much diversity. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so growing up, I always sort of felt, you know, a little bit of the odd one out because it was it was so obvious that I didn't look like anyone else around me. Mm -hmm. um, not to say that, you know, I didn't grow up in a, an environment of, you know, um, love you know my my family you know we're supportive and loving but you know you go into school settings or you know work environments and you know it's just you're the odd one out and certainly experienced um racism in in those very subtle forms mm -hmm. uh, so coming to the u.s i came uh, and and ended up going to college so I was college age at that point. So I've actually lived in the U.S. now more years than I, you know, did in Scotland. But um, it really sort of opened my mind to this concept of race and what it means to be Black or white or mixed or, you know, Native American or, you know, whatever. And yeah, and so I think it's, uh, it comes out in my writing because it's just, I'm so fascinated by it even now. Like I'm still sort of thinking about what it means. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if that sort of answers your question. No, but definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I think I, yeah, I think that was maybe embedded in the question, but I really appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, because I yeah. do think that would be, yeah, definitely a difficult yeah, experience. I mean, it's, but I, you know, it's, I mean, it's, it's sort of fun to have that background, you know, to, mm -hmm. um, you know, be of the, you know, McLeod clan, like that's my family, um, <laughs> oh, wow. and, you know, yeah, on my mother's side, it's the mm -hmm. um, clan McLeod. And so to have that sort of ancestry is, it's, it's pretty cool to, yeah. to share that and to share, it, you know, with my son and sort of pass that along. And so I, you know, I still very much hold on to 
you know, that, you know, my mother is Scottish and, and that line of, of, you know, ancestry is still, you know, very strong for me. Mm-hmm. So when you came here, did you have a Scottish accent? I, I did. Oh, wow. And, but I, you know, I, as I, I always picked up accents very easily. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I don't know for sure, but I sort of feel like it might be related to my sort of introvertedness that I didn't, that I don't oh. want to stand out. And so <laughs> if I get into environments, you know, I want to just kind of blend right on in. Oh, that's funny. And yeah. yeah. And so unconsciously, it's not, you know, it's not something that I'm purposely doing, but, you know, over a period of time, I sort of took on more of this sort of American accent and and I would call my my mother and I would talk with her and and she'd say you sound so American (laughs) sorry I didn't mean it but yeah yeah, accents are yeah. interesting. My family yeah. has a really strong southeastern Pennsylvania accent. I can't. Even, I know what it sounds like, but I can't do it very well. And and I kind of was confused when my husband pointed out that I was the only one in my family who doesn't seem to have it. I was like, well, how's that possible? And then we realized because I was basically a latchkey kid and I was raised by the TV a lot, so I didn't really. Oh. I got a lot of like different regional, and I kind of just flattened the accent, so I don't. I don't have yeah. that. Accent, so yeah, it's really strange. You know, I wonder that. that might be, yeah, that might be part of it because mm-hmm. yeah, you're listening to all these different voices on the TV and I, mm-hmm. you know, I was as latchkey as, as they come. So <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Same, same kind of thing. It's funny. Yeah. So you are a person who wears many hats. In addition to being a great writer, you also work for a nonprofit and as a massage therapist. So how do you balance all of these? And do you find that these different things inform each other? Yeah, I, you know, I just do it. I I don't even (laughs) really think about the whole balancing. Um, But yeah, it's, uh, I had a, a long career in the corporate world. For, for a while, sort of corporate communication stuff and um, burned out on that and decided that I wanted to focus on my writing and wanted to do something completely different. And so I decided on massage therapy. I'd had a few massages in the past and um, it was either that or become a yoga instructor. And I was, I remember... <laughs> sort of being in yoga class thinking, oh, I don't know, I don't know if I want to do this. And, mm-hmm. um, but I, I, you know, I was sort of drawn to this kind of more of a holistic kind of environment. And I took about a four year break from sort of a quote unquote day job. And so I went back to school for massage therapy and then moved into to that realm. And what I loved and still love about it was this almost meditative quality to it being able to you know you go you go into the room and you work on the person and you're just there in that moment with them and ultimately it gave me that space to be able to write and you know not get um so you know sort of mentally exhausted as you often do when you're in an an office environment and you're writing all day long coming home and wanting to write um, was all often a challenge for me when I had that sort of, you know, day job of, of being at the computer all day. But doing massage therapy was, it, it felt like such a, a gift because writing it sort of was 
I, I won't say easier. I'm never going to say that writing is just <laughs> easy, but I was able to kind of move into that in a um, much more easily and with a lot more enthusiasm. Um, so there was certainly that balance. And then, so after about four years, I was kind of ready to sort of delve back into, uh, you know, that day job and didn't want to go into to corporate America and but found the nonprofit um, environment. And so the organization that I work with serves um, families that are experiencing homelessness. And we work specifically with the children, providing them sort of play um, development. And yeah, it, it really is. The, the mission is, is pretty awesome. But I think that it's, um, in terms of, of my writing, there's, not that I'm writing about, you know, the issues that I'm facing sort of on the day job, but there, there's definitely sort of a, a supportive kind of environment because a lot of what I'm writing about is race and identity and, and culture. And then in that particular um, organization, we're dealing with, you know, um, children who are marginalized to an extreme and yeah a lot of the you know racism that they're dealing with and and some of the issues so there's definitely a, a little bit of synergy around you know my writing and being able to to write and what I'm doing there um, so yeah it, it all you know it all just kind of blends blends in for me but I the one thing that I've really tried to do is separate you know sort of all of those areas so the the day job you know, when I'm not there, then, you know, I, I'm not checking email and I'm not checking, you know, messages. So I, I really try to, to be very um, cognizant of separating, you know, one thing versus the other so that, you know, I've got that sort of headspace mm -hmm. um, to be able to make the shift and then not feel like I'm still caught up in you know, in, in one realm when I'm really trying to, to be somewhere else because mm -hmm. it's so, so easy to get spread very thin. Mm -hmm. and, and I've certainly been there and, and learned that I need to stand up for myself and be able to say, I can't put in this extra time or I can't, you know, do this other project for you or, um, you know, whatever requests come in. So let's see, I have a little bit of a creative thinker here. So if you could go back and give your younger self any writing advice, what would it be? Gosh, I think not to be afraid. I, th I think as a young person, I was just always afraid, <laughs> you know, afraid of, of putting things on the page, afraid of revealing things, afraid of submitting and not, you know, getting anything, um, being rejected, you know, just that sort of fear that I think hung around me a great deal. And not to say that, you know, I'm fearless now. I mean, I still have, have the fear, but I, I try not to let it stop me from, from moving forward. And I, I, I think, you know, that, that we can, we can let fear cripple us sometimes. So, yeah, I think that would be it, um, you know, to, to kind of continue to, to work 
past it, to, to put the stuff on, on the page that you might be afraid of, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So when it's safe to travel again, whenever and whatever that means, uh, where do you think you would go first? Oh, Ireland. Okay, nice. Oh, that sounds beautiful. Mostly because this year I was supposed to go. Oh no, to, of course. Yes, I had this, <laughs> had this trip planned, um, booked, the whole thing. Um, so I was going to a writing retreat in Ireland and oh, wow. I was going to make it a bigger trip and spend some time in Scotland with family because mm -hmm. um, I, I still have a lot of family there. And yeah, and need I say more, it didn't happen. So, uh, so yes, so as soon as they say you can go, I'm like, that's it, I'm, I'm out there. It's, I'm gonna make that trip happen again. My, uh, my mother uh, lives in Denmark. Oh, wow, nice. And yeah, and so she's definitely been on my mind a great deal. And I, um, you know, I, I would, I would have liked to have been able to go visit her over the holidays, but, yeah. um, so yeah, that, so that, that sort of Europe, uh, you know, I try and hit Denmark and get my writing retreat in Ireland in and visit some folks in Scotland. And yeah, that would, that would be nice. I could make that happen. Well, keep my fingers crossed for you this sooner rather than later. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> So this was great. So do you have anything to plug any like online events or anything coming up or any projects you're working on? Let's see. So, um, yeah, so there is a, uh, an anthology. Um, it's called, this is what America looks like. And it comes out February. Uh, I forget the actual date in February. Uh, but next year it's an anthology by the Washington, um, Writers Publishing House, and I think there. I think they said there's about a hundred writers in this thing. Wow! It's, it's yeah, it's it's pretty amazing, and there's some incredible talent in there, and I'm really sort of excited and honored to be a part of it. So yeah, so if folks can look for that, I will be you know plugging it on my you know Twitter and various you know social media outlets. Um, so yeah, I'd love for folks to to check it out. Okay, great. Yeah, we'll definitely look out and I'll, I'll link that in the show notes for sure. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Well, this has been great. Thank you for joining us today. Oh, no, thank you so much for reaching out. I'm, I'm yeah, I was super excited that you yeah. And I was, you know, I was a little nervous because like, I, I'm not always good at reaching out to writers. I don't know. We've worked with a lot of writers. We already kind of knew built into yeah. our friend networks. And so I was like, I got to reach out a little bit further. And then I was like, oh my gosh, when I saw your video, I was like, we should, we should get her. Let's, let's, you know, <laughs> we know someone who knows her that kind of counts. And hopefully I'm not too nervous. And then you were just so nice. I was like, oh, great. Ah, uh, yeah, this is awesome. I always, I always appreciate the opportunity to, you know, talk about writing and share my work and yeah just you know the writing community is it's you know it's it's important it's important to engage and be a part of it and support it wasn't that a great interview i just really loved talking with melanie i'd never met her before so it was a lot of fun chatting with her on zoom about writing and everything else so now it is time for updates so over the past couple of months, Sam and I have planned out what the new plume will look like. 
We are so excited to share it with you. Here is some of what you have to look forward to. Today's episode marks the last of our first season. Our second season begins in May and we'll have a whole new format. We'll still feature a woman or non-binary writer each month. Our first podcast episode each month will be a chat with our featured writer. Now they'll read their plume letter of encouragement as part of this episode. You'll also be able to get a physical copy of the letter along with some of the writer's creative work on Patreon. The second monthly podcast episode will be a roundtable discussion with invited guests about a relevant writing topic. We've restructured our Patreon and added some new perks for the different tiers. Since New Mexico is important to us and to Jen, as an homage to Plume's roots, we've updated the tier names with the Land of Enchantment in mind. Our new Patreon tiers, which range from $2 to $20, are Flowering Yucca, Prickly Pear, Cottonwood, and Sagebrush. Tiered perks include things like shoutouts on this podcast, access to a private Plume Slack, more on Slack in a minute, bonus podcast segments, writing prompts, access to Plume Zoom weekly writing support groups, and more. We've got a lot of fun new ideas that we're still cooking up to. Head on over to patreon.com slash plume a writer's companion, or just go to patreon.com and search under creators for plume. So what is plume slack you ask? We've set up a new private online space on the Slack app where our Patreon supporters at any level can talk about writing, publishing, life, anything else. We promise it's way more fun than Facebook and it will be set up with channels for different topics. You'll be able to help us pick roundtable podcast topics and suggest future featured writers. We really do want to make this an inclusive and supportive community as much as possible. We're going to still do write-ups of our featured writers on our website, but we'll archive the blog and retire the newsletter. For the foreseeable future, all communications will come through Patreon. While our website is under construction, please check for updates on our Patreon page. Again, that's patreon.com slash plume a writer's companion. You can also reach us via email at plumesters at gmail.com. That's P-L-U-M-E-S-T-E-R-S at gmail.com. So that was a lot of information. Uh, please stay tuned to Patreon and our social media. That is at Plume for Writers on Instagram and Twitter and under Plume, a writer's companion on Facebook. Our first featured writer for season two will be Tia Clark. And let me tell you, it was a great interview. You don't want to miss that one. We'll be sharing more updates as the relaunch for season two gets closer. Thank you for listening. And as always, happy writing.